0: Today, I'm going to continue talking to you about this subject of beginning well and finishing strong. Now, let me ask a question, and I want you to be really honest with me, all right? You ready? Here's the question. How many of you have a half-finished project? Come on, you know that bedroom that didn't quite get all the painting done, right? The swing set that dad finally said, well, these 18 boats don't really matter. It's just our kids right? Uh, you know, why read the instructions? We can figure this out. And, and so a lot of us kind of live life that way. We kind of like, well, we'll figure it out. It'll be okay. And so I just felt like this year what we wanted to do was to help all of us, not only to begin the year well, but to also finish strong. Whatever it is that God's called you to do, uh, however God's called you to uh, to be a blessing in your family, uh, to make a difference in your workplace, uh, to make a difference in God's kingdom and in in his righteousness, however that is, that we're going to be able now to begin to assimilate what God has. Now today, last week we talked on this whole thing. We've been looking at the life of Nehemiah, and and we talked about positioning last week. Uh, The Bible says that after Nehemiah had heard the report about Jerusalem and how that the Walls were torn down, and how that all the nation was in disarray. The scripture said first of all that he wept for days, and all of those things that happened. But then the Bible says that he tells us who he is and where he's at. And here's what he says in verse 11. Uh, he says, "I was the king's cupbearer." In other words, I was the king's slave. And so we talked last week, and you can and go online and get it, or you can buy a, a DVD or a CD of it. Uh, we talked last week about how that you have to position yourself and you have to be totally honest about where you are. Nehemiah didn't fool himself. He said, you know what? Here's where I'm at. I believe I'm called to do something great, but here is right where I'm at and this is what I want to do. And so we began last week talking out of the book of Luke, the 14th chapter, and I want to take you back there today because Luke, the 14th chapter, is kind of that foundation scripture. Then it says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Want you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. Nothing worse than a half-finished house, is there? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And so we, we don't want to be that kind of a person. I, I don't want to be somebody who begins well uh, you know, and then halfway through I quit. But I want to find out what I have to do. First of all, I have to position myself, but today we're gonna to talk about planning. I told you each week we would look at a different word, and this week the word is planning, how that we go about getting our lives into that. So now if you would take your Bibles and go to the book of Nehemiah, the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, after all the first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles, all that stuff, it's right there. Ezra Nehemiah. As you're doing that, uh, let me speak to our campuses today. We're glad you're with us today. I'm excited to be able to bring this word to you because I believe you've already experienced the presence of God right where you're at. And now as we go into the word of the Lord, we're believing for great things. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor of Love and Truth Ministries. Let's get ready to receive what God has for us this day as we go into his word. Now, the book of Nehemiah is an exciting book. Uh, it's, it's that book that shows us how that a nobody can make a difference. Amen? I, I don't know about you. Most, I, I wasn't born into royalty. Maybe you were. Uh, a lot of us weren't even born, as they said, on the right side of the tracks. And, and a lot of times we kind of grow up with this inferiority complex um, you know, I heard somebody recently say that it doesn't—it does not matter who you were. High school was still horrible. Right? It, it, it really doesn't matter. If you, were the, if you were the jock, if you were the cheerleader, or if you were the nobody that nobody would run with or whatever, it still was horrible at some level. And a lot of times, we kind of carry that inferiority everywhere we go. And it's kind of like, well, I can't do much. I can't make much difference. And yet, I believe with all of my heart that God has destined each of us for greatness. I believe, listen, if you are made in the image, the Scripture says, and in the likeness of God, I want to tell you, you have greatness down inside of you. What we've got to do is learn how to get what's inside of us out so that we can do what God's called us to do. Now, let me remind you again. Nehemiah has, has heard how Jerusalem is destroyed. He's heard how his nation has been scattered. And because of that, this great burden comes into his life. And, and he's desiring to do something. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Nehemiah is just like us. And that is this. There's a lot of times you'll get burdened for something, or you will get an idea to do something. But here's the issue. You will know that God has put it into your heart long before you know how he intends to do it. You say, well, you know, if if God would just show me the whole plan, I would do it. Let me just help you. He's not going to show you the whole plan. He's going to to lay a burden in your lap. He's going to give you an idea. He's going to bring something into your life that that all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, I want to do this, but I've got to figure it out. I've got to do what God's called me to do. Now, let me say something about God. God has a plan. We just have to determine what it is. The Scripture says uh, that before you were even born, God knew your days. He knew everything about you. All right, told Jeremiah that he said, well, you were still yet in your mother's womb. I formed you, I knew you, I knew your days, I knew everything that was going to happen in your life. And and I want to explain something to us. How is never a problem with God. You say, what do you mean? Have you ever heard somebody say, well, you know, I really want to do this, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. I really want to accomplish this, but I don't know how I'm going to afford it. I really want to see this happen, but I don't know how it's going to take place in my life. Let me help you. How is never a problem with God. What you've got to do is that you've got to come to that place because here's what God is waiting on. He is waiting on someone who will discern his plan and he will bring the how into your life. He will provide for you exactly what it is that you need, but you've got to be willing to begin that planning process. Now, here's what I found out through the years. People don't plan to fail. They just what? Fail to plan. Nobody starts off in a marriage planning to fail. Nobody starts off in a business planning to fail. Nobody starts off living for Jesus Christ saying, Boy, I hope I backslide. I really don't want to make it to heaven. I hope I can do this for a while and then I want to go to hell. Nobody does that. But what happens is, is that we don't go through the process of planning. So today, I'm going to talk to us about this process of planning out of the life of Nehemiah. And here's what I want to show you. I want to remind you of something. Your life is not in three and four different segments. You don't have your business life over here, and then your family life over here, and your recreational life over here, and then somewhere over here, kind of, you know, 15th down the row is your walk with God in church. No, no, no. If you are a Christian, it is intertwined. So whatever is happening in your business life affects your family, affects your, your social life, and it affects your spiritual life. And so what we've got to do is that we've got to find out what the truth of the Word of God says to us about every area of life. And once we find that, then we have to begin to live in that. So would you look with me in the second chapter and the first verse of Nehemiah and let's see what happens. It says in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wise was when wine was brought see I can't even say it. <laughs> When wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. Now, here's what I want to show you. From the first chapter until the second chapter, from the first time that Nehemiah heard about Jerusalem until the second chapter is four months. You say, why is that important? Because the very first thing on planning is this. Planning requires patience. He heard it here, but it took four months before he even allows his face to show it. How many of you have been around people, as soon as they get an idea half-formed, it's out of their mouth? Come on, you know I'm telling the truth. I mean, they haven't even fully downloaded it yet, and they're talking about it. Nehemiah, he he takes four months of thinking and processing and the Bible says he prayed and he wept and he cried out to God during that. Uh, How many of you love the story of Moses? You love Moses and the children of Israel and all the greats? I mean, I, I think Moses' story is cool. I think there's stuff that Moses could do, you know, the hand trick. Come on, you know that hand thing, he stuck his hand in his coat, pulled it out, it's leprous, stuck it back in, pulled it out, it's clean. I mean, I think that's cool. See, I don't like some of y'all. You're way too spiritual. I mean, I think throwing the stick down and it becomes a snake, I think that'd get people's attention. I mean, wouldn't you just like to walk in the old Charlie's or somewhere and have a cane, just throw it down? said, just want you to know, man of God's here today. I, come on, I, I, I just like all that. Somebody insults you, somebody say, you know what, uh, a thou, the, camp, the fleas of a thousand camels are gonna infest your house today. I mean, I, see, that's what Moses did blood and flies and crickets, and I mean, all kind of stuff happening there. Grasshopper, I mean, the whole thing is, is coming, and, and, and it's, it's a neat story. But what we don't talk a lot about is 40 years in the desert. See, for 40 years, God took Moses. And stuck him on the backside of nowhere following a bunch of sheep around that he didn't even own so that God could put down inside of him what he needed. Now I want to explain something to you today. More happens inside of us than outside of us. If you really want to make a difference in your family, if you really want to make a difference spiritually in the life of somebody, more has to happen inside of you than outside of you. Don't don't always be so quick to run off and do stuff. Now, I, I don't know about you. When I look at 40 years of preparation, I get nervous. I go, come on, Lord, 40 years out there, nobody, it's hot, it's nasty, I'm following a bunch of stinking sheep. 40 years? Really? Yeah, because I'm calling you to do something great. I'm calling you to do something powerful. I'm calling you to do something that's going to change the history of the world, Moses. And you're too hot-headed and you're too spoiled because you've grown up in Pharaoh's house and you got too many problems, and so I'm going to stick you on the backside of nowhere, and as you're there, I'm going to work inside of you so that when I bring you out, what I have worked inside of you is going to be released and change the life and the destiny of the entire world. Now, I I don't know about you. When I look at that, I'm praying more for the Nehemiah anointing than the Moses anointing. I'm praying for the four-month preparation, not the... Not that 40 year business, okay? But whatever it is that God's called you to do, you've got to take time to plan. And that planning, excuse me, that planning takes uh, some patience. It takes some willingness to allow God to work inside of you. Look in verse three. He said, But I said to the king, May the king live forever which he's saying that because he doesn't want to be killed. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The the second thing about planning is is that planning aligns vision. Planning brings vision into alignment. Now, now I want to tell you something. All true vision comes out of a burden. Now, Now, there's all kind of difference between a dream and a vision okay? But a true vision comes out of a burden, something God places. Nehemiah hears what's happening, and he is burdened. Some of you are burdened for your family. You need to allow that to be birthed into a vision. Some of you are burdened for the society in which we live, and and you see all the ills of society, and you see poverty, and you see drug abuse, and you see all of these things. And instead of cursing the darkness why don't we light some candles? Why don't we allow God to birth something? I mean, Nehemiah could have said, hey, man, everything's good in my world. I'm hanging out with the king. I sleep in the palace. I eat the same food that the king eats. It's pretty good for Nehemiah. And see, a lot of us, we look around. We're blessed We're healthy. Our families are in pretty good shape. Things are going pretty well. We probably live in a nicer home than than anybody in our family has ever lived in. And if we are not careful, we will forget that there's others out there who are being destroyed, that there are people out there whose lives are wasted and being destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And God has given you that knowledge, and what you've got to do is to be willing to allow a burden to produce a vision. I, I want to tell you something. There's no such thing as an emotionalist vision. All vision has some emotion with it. Now, dreams are a different deal. You ever been around dreamers? Dreamers are a dime a dozen. All, all you've got to do to have a, have a dream is to eat some spicy food and go to bed. I mean, you'll wake up with all kinds of And I dream. Whoa, I dreamed. I dream. People come to me all the time. I had a dream. And I go, what did you eat? See, dr- dreams are easy. Dreams are just, but vision is something that gets a hold of you, and you cannot keep it quiet. It, it's like the prophet said. It's like a fire that shut up in your bones. And you said, "Wait a minute! I know that God's called me to do something, and I am going to allow the planning process to align the vision to bring it into the place where God wants me to go." I want to tell you, vision, vision-oriented people uh, are motivated people. There's something happening. They're willing to do something. They're willing to move. They're not going. Going to talk the thing to death so you, you you've got to come to that place where you're not always talking but sometimes you're listening so you, you've got to understand it but the third thing would you look there in the fourth verse of that second chapter and uh it said and now this is a little lengthy but let me read it. it said the king said to me what is it you want then i prayed to the god of heaven and i answered the king If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases you, uh, it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residences I will occupy. Now, that's lengthy. I understand that. But, but here's the deal. When Nehemiah is asked what he wants to do and how he wants to do it, he is prepared. Now get it. Planning involves preparation. See, I think a lot of people, opportunity shows up, but they're not prepared. Come on. I mean, it's like we spent, some of you spent three and four years chasing him or her come on you know you did and 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 you want. I mean I got to get that woman I got to get that man and you did everything you could to get them but you never did plan on what you were going to do once you got them there's no preparation it was all about hormones and chasing come on let's get real right there, there was no preparation involved so if you finally got married and you got him. And wanted to give them back. It's like, now what? I mean, you know, it's, it, isn't it interesting that, that some of the things that are the most precious, we don't have any preparation for. There's no planning. I mean, we, we, we bring children into this world. Do you have a plan? Well, I just hope I can get them out of this house by the time they're 18. Well, let me tell you something. They turn 18. They leave. They come back and they bring more with them all right? There's this whole aspect there that some of the most, you know, people, people start out with the Lord, start out living for God, but they have no plan for their lives. They take no preparation time. It's kind of like, well, whatever God wants. No, you have to prepare. Isn't it interesting that when opportunity arose in Nehemiah's life, he already had a plan. He didn't say, uh, could you hold that king? I'll be back in a month. Let me go pray about this. See, that's what most of us would do. People say, well, you know what? I, if, if I was the boss, are you prepared to be the boss? Well, hallelujah. I mean, have you, have you done the preparation to become the boss, or you just want the pay that the boss gets? Oh, glory. Well, you know, if, if, if I could just preach. Really? Really? I heard T.D. Jakes years ago. How many of you know Bishop T.D. Jakes? One of the greatest preachers I've ever heard in my life. Bishop Jakes preached a sermon years ago called, You may know my glory, but you don't know my story. And and he talks about those years in West Virginia when nobody knew him, where he got cars repossessed and lights turned off and had to dig ditches and all the things that he was doing preparing his ministry for one day when he got an opportunity to go national, he was ready. But he says, you know what? Everybody sees me as an overnight sensation. They don't know the 10 or 15 years that I spent on the backside of nowhere preparing my heart, preparing my life, and preparing my family for what God was going to do see there's got to be preparation and and I want to tell you in in preparing I want to give you something a couple of things you need to look for when you're preparing number one is you need to say what are my obstacles what are the things that I'm up against all right if you're wanting to win somebody to God God's spoken to you about certain person in your life know what the obstacles are to seeing them saved maybe they've been hurt by the church And maybe they've been wounded by religion. And you're going to have to know that that's an obstacle that you've got to somehow defeat if you're going to get that person in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, you say, well, I want to start a business. Well, what are the obstacles to starting a business? What is it that are the obstacles to your marriage being the greatest thing that it ought to be? You say, well, it's the person I married. (laughs) Too bad. You got them. Stay with them. Work it out. Need a little amen on that one. Amen. Come on. Well, you know, we, we've got to counter this. So th- there's got to be this. So what are the obstacles? Nehemiah said, I, I know there's some obstacles. He said, first of all, he said, I've been a slave in the king's palace. And if I leave here and take a bunch of people with me, they're going to think that there's been an insurrection against the king. And, the, and everybody that I come across is going to try to kill me. So he said, first of all, give me letters of safe passage. Then he said, you know what I've been thinking about when I get to Jerusalem, there's not a whole lot of trees there, there's not a whole lot of wood there, so he said, I want letters to the, to the guy who's over the king's forest, and I want him to have letters so that he will give me all the wood that I need, and, and he immediately gives that to the king. Interesting thing is the king immediately grants it. So not only, number one, is what are my obstacles, number two is what are my resources, what are the resources that you have? With this person I mentioned a while ago that maybe God's spoken in your life about reaching for, the, for Jesus Christ. Maybe the resource that you have is just being in their life. Maybe it's just being a good friend. Maybe it's just babysitting their kid. Maybe it's just taking up whatever it is. What is the resource that I have in this person's life? In, in Nehemiah's circumstance, Nehemiah literally outside of God only had one resource. But you know what? If you've got the right resource, that's all you need. The only resource that Nehemiah had—he didn't have great education, he didn't have great fame, wealth. He didn't have the only thing that he had—he had access to the king. See, too many of us sell our dreams short because we don't have everything that we need. But all we've got to have is the right resource, and if I've got the right resource, then that person or that situation will bring everything into my life. And that's how you've got to live. Look in the latter part of verse 8. He goes on to say, "'And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request.'" The fourth thing in planning is that planning creates energy. I want to tell you, when you get the hand of God on you, you you can't stand still. Hallelujah. I'm saved. No, you're not. Not really. Come on, you might be inoculated, but I don't think you're saved. I, I mean, somebody who's got something. You ever been around them? I mean, have you ever been around people who really had had an encounter with God and He radically changed their life? They don't care what anybody else thinks. They don't care what anybody else says. They're the first one to raise their hand. They're the first one to clap. They're the first one on their feet because God has done something inside of them. And there's energy when you've been willing to kind of go with what God is doing. And and so planning gives you energy. You kind of go, okay, this is the first step. This is the second thing. This is what I'm supposed to to do, and the Bible says, and the hand of God was on him, and and he began to do what God had called him to do. But look in verse 9. I'll I'll try to bring this to a close. The fifth thing is is that planning gives direction. Planning gives direction. Verse 9 says, so I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. Now, I I, want to tell you something. There's, There's direction in that scripture. He's saying, as soon as I got the letters, I set off in a direction. There was something in my life I knew what to do. You know what? Planning is what gives you the direction that you're to go in. You know, a lot of us are like the cowboy out west who jumped on his horse and rode off in all directions. You'll get it. He didn't get very far ever seen, you know, they, they say, I don't know, who, I don't know who, who paid for the research for this. I'm sure we did. Taxes. Uh, but they say a goose wakes up in a new world every day. Now, I've never asked a goose if that is true. But I'm sure some researcher did. You know, everything is, is different. Everything is new every day, every day. They just go on instinct. They fly back and forth, but it's all new. It's all different. And, and, and I've seen people like that today i'm doing this and today tomorrow i'm doing this and over here and you just i mean it's constantly going in a circle but if i've planned, i've set my goals, i've set my direction, i've been faithful to what god's called me to do, then when the opportunity comes, i'm ready to strike. i'm ready to go. in in, in the history of love and truth church, we've had different opportunities through the years. When we began uh, ten years ago and a little bit over that now, and we've, I tried to buy a building for a year. Kept trying to buy this one building over on Carriage House Drive. Had money in my pocket. Couldn't buy that building. Couldn't buy it. I got so mad. I went home one day and told Sherry, I said, I'm not starting a church in Jackson. God doesn't want me in Jackson. I can't buy anything. Next morning, I got up, got dressed. She said, where are you going? I said, Jackson. God beat the stew out of me all night long. <laughs> but it was a salvation. If we'd bought that building, we'd been in a mess. God knew that. He wouldn't let me buy it. A little bit over a year later, God opened up this property that we're at. I, I saw that happen at different levels, at different campuses, at different things through the years. And uh, it, it's it's interesting how, how God shows up. About... 10 years ago, we began to look at another building across town here. I didn't even know why. I was thinking, why am I looking at another building? I don't even have a building. And uh, about four or five years ago, we kind of got real aggressive about it, looking at it and tried to figure it out and trying to make it happen, and it wasn't God's timing. But as most of you know, just recently, all that timing came together, and guess what? I already had a plan. I was ready to go. When that building became available, we were ready to hit. We're ready to move. We're ready to begin the process of creating what God has. But you have to be a person who's planning. And sometimes those dreams are 10-year dreams and vision comes and, and you're back there and you're going, come on, God, when is this going to happen? And some of you are in that place. Some of you have had a, had a vision for a marriage that's really making a difference and, and it's really struggling right now. Some of you have a a dream and a vision to really make a difference in the life of teenagers, and you're struggling to even see your teenager be saved. Some of you are at the point of saying, you know what, if if I could just get my finances in order, I believe God could use me to bless other people, but, but you're struggling so much with your finances, and on and on and on. And yet what I know is this, is that until you start planning God can't show up time and time again the scripture talks about if you will then I will God's waiting listen you're not waiting on God so often we talk about unanswered prayers and I really wonder if the unanswered prayer is not on God's part it's God waiting on us to get to that position that he can then bless us I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know those of you who are watching what's happening in your world today, but I want to tell you, God has all things already worked out. The Bible says that God is El Shaddai. He's more than enough. So whatever it is that you're facing, whatever the mountain is, whatever the difficulty is that you are up against, Why don't you take some time over the next few weeks and begin to weep and to cry and to pray and to seek God and to get into His Word and begin to say, Lord, you give me an idea and I'm going to write it down. I want to tell you, through the years, most of you know that I'm one of those guys who who, if I sit down or kneel down to pray, I go to sleep. Just the way it is. I get you know my mind so I walk when I pray so I'm usually in here and I'm walking around and and you don't know how many times it's almost a daily occurrence that I'll grab a tithing envelope and I'll start writing down something that I feel like God's saying or something that I'm planning or something that's going on and 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 I'll have to go back to my office and put them on my iPad so that that I can decipher you know I, I write in tongues and so I have to have to get the interpretation sometimes and well, it's still fresh. Get it transferred so I can read it later. And, 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 and these things, why? Be, because God wants us to move forward, but he's waiting on us. Here's my challenge to you. Don't wait any longer. Don't let 2012 end the way 2011 or 10 or 9, 8, whatever. Say, wait a minute. You know what, Pastor? This year. I'm going to make a difference for God. This year, my life is going to be changed. This year, my family is going to be impacted by the grace of God. This year, I'm going to see the glory of God in every arena of my life. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit.